Uh, joined on the line now by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. She's now been in uh, self-quarantine for a week here. Kyla, how are you doing right now? I'm doing good. I'm just working from home and trying to uh, survive each day. Well, you're uh, you're fortunate enough too to have a nice little uh, uh, pet, a dog companion at home to keep you company. So I think that makes a big difference for you as well. Probably, exactly. Probably. I think I'd be going insane if I didn't have yeah, him. <laughs> I was going to say helping you keep some sanity. Um, so a, a couple of things that I did want to talk with you here today about. And and the first one kind of had to do with a lot of what I was talking about here earlier in my intro, where um, we're seeing, you know, some governments start talking and really thinking about the possibility of when it comes to social distancing and being out in public, people who are breaking the rules starting to take some real legal ramifications, whether it be through fines or um, actual arrests. So I just wanted to to start by getting sort of your your feelings on that as as a whole um you know when talking about people going out in public and not obeying those social distancing rules getting out in large gatherings you know walking too closely with other individuals um you know wh where do you see this going at this point in time because there's clearly way too many people who are not abiding by these recommendations i mean i think we are probably going to start seeing fines being issued um and that's one power um that the government has if the um uh, if the health minister uh, or Dr. Bonnie Henry make an order, uh, a public health order, and people disobey it, um, then they do have the power to levy fines. They also have the power to carry out arrests, but I think that that won't be happening right away um, unless people continue to ignore the orders and continue to defy them. The reason being that an arrest involves a, a, a greater level of physical contact, which would actually run contrary to the spirit of the orders that we have in place right now. Right, right. I was thinking that's same thing that uh, there's got to be some fear on the level of law enforcement if they're going to be asked to, to do that to, you know basically they're going to be touching people uh, a lot more than they would probably otherwise be wanting to so uh, definitely would be a concern uh, if they did take those steps uh, what, what do you think about someone who potentially you know does have some symptoms or maybe is even aware that they have COVID-19 and yet still goes out um, you know living their lives having a walk going out to the parks and you know just basically completely ignoring blatantly ignoring all the advice of our healthcare professionals. What what do you think could be the steps taken in, in a case like that? Because, um, you know, that, at that point, you're looking at really endangering the lives of other people. Oh, absolutely. And in those cases, I think we would expect to see charges being laid. Um, obviously, nothing would happen with them right now while the courts are closed. But once things return to normal, people like that can expect to find themselves if they continue to engage in that behavior prosecuted before the court and facing the potential of up to six months in jail for defying any of British Columbia's orders. So it's a, it's a severe sentence that you're looking at if you don't comply, and especially if you don't comply at a time when you are infectious and when you know you're putting others at risk. And then, you know, this kind of goes back to, to both those last two points. I mean, when talking about law enforcement maybe, maybe being a little bit more unwilling to actually arrest people because they don't want to get into such close contact and, and be touching other individuals. But if there is someone who is also sick, I mean, you, you have to get them off the street, but yet you can't really put them into the prison system because, um, you know, you don't want to be seeing COVID-19 all of a sudden start shooting through our correctional facilities. Um, you know, how would you deal with something like that? Is it, I guess, house arrest? I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a pickle that I, I can't quite solve. 
It is a bit of a pickle. Essentially, if a person in those circumstances were arrested and charged with an offense, they could be put on bail conditions that would require them to remain in their home. And if they breached those conditions, they would be facing additional charges. So despite the fact that they would already technically be under an order to remain in their home, they could have it in a stronger force in the sense of it as a bail condition. And that can be done through a video uh, a, a video or a teleconference hearing with a judicial justice of the peace without ever actually putting the person in the prison system. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be a, a real real concern, I guess, for, for those who are in charge of corrections, that if this were to, to get into our prison system, that um, it would just spread like wildfire and, and it could have a real, real ramifications as a result. Um, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't even, well, I don't know if you can confirm or deny, but I have, I have heard of uh, cases where this is something that is, I don't know if it's it's been uh, proven or confirmed, but I have heard rumors that there are some issues where there is potential for COVID-19 in, in some places already. And um, yeah, you, you haven't heard any confirmation on that, have you? I've heard about Toronto having two uh, confirmed cases involving corrections uh, officers who were working in the prison um, and who later began displaying symptoms. And that's incredibly frightening um, because you have in prisons an overpopulated population that's living in close quarters that can't practice social distancing by virtue of being in jail. And a lot of people who right now don't need to be there people who are awaiting trials that aren't happening because the courts are closed, people who are um, being held uh, for nonviolent offenses. You think of the people who get, you know, a third impaired driving conviction and are serving a 120-day sentence. Those people could be released right now. There are measures in place to temporarily release people in circumstances like this and have them come back and report at a later date once this is all resolved. And the government needs to start seriously thinking about taking those measures, releasing nonviolent offenders, releasing people who should have been granted bail in these circumstances, and not putting everybody else in the prison system and the people that maybe need to stay there at risk. Yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely, hopefully, something that is on the radar. I'd be surprised if it's not at least something that has been discussed at some form of of length to this point, because there has to be those protocols and protections in place. You mentioned that there are, you know, some some steps that are basically laid out to deal with this type of situation. Now it's just a matter of whether or not they actually follow through with some of those steps and put those steps into action. Uh, I did want to ask you too, while I have you here, and this is a, sort of a, a little bit of a switch in subject, but still talking, you know, about our earlier conversation with regards to uh, social distancing. If you are, you know, self-isolating and still going out in public, one of the concerns, and you being a dog owner, is when it comes to pets and what is your responsibility as a pet owner and also as someone who might be, uh, you know, quarantined or even experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. You know, how do you really go about walking your pet and making sure they are, um, you know, relieving themselves and getting food and all that kind of stuff that comes with being a responsible pet owner. How do you balance that out with also trying to avoid other individuals? I mean, do you have any advice, I guess, for people who are in that situation? And, and you know, what are your, your obligations as a pet owner? If you are self-isolating and not symptomatic, it is okay for you to leave your house with your animal as long as you don't interact with anybody else for the purposes of walking them and allowing them to relieve themselves. As a pet owner, you have a legal obligation to your pet to ensure that their necessities are provided for, that they have food, shelter, uh, that they're able to relieve themselves and adequate exercise. And if you fail to provide that for your pet, you would be committing an offense. So you can't be forced into a position where you're committing an offense. 
if you're quarantined, it becomes a lot more difficult because you can't leave your house. So if you have a yard, you can, you know, let your pet out in your yard and, you know, they're not going to walk for, go for, you know, long walks for two weeks. And that's probably okay in this uh, unusual period of time. But if your pet really does need walks, if they're a high energy animal, you can have somebody come pick them up. Um, somebody that you know, sanitize the leash, sanitize the collar and make sure they wear gloves and walk your pet for you. Yeah, some uh, some difficult times we live in, but people have to be making the necessary plans to make sure that uh, their own affairs are taken care of and, and making sure they are being responsible when it comes to uh, social distancing, self-isolating when needed, and, and keeping everyone healthy. Thank you so much for doing this, Kyla. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're not uh, feeling the best right now, but uh, nonetheless, you still uh, took the time to speak to me, and I always appreciate it. So thank you so much. Right. And Anytime. I'm wishing you a thank speedy you. recovery.